0: Hey, everyone. Back when we recorded this episode, a conversation with Brett Cross, he was planning on attending the State of the Union. A little while back, we learned that he wouldn't be able to go. We're not sure why. But we wanted to let you know that you're hearing the original version of this conversation. All right, here it is. (laughs) There's a long-standing tradition in Washington that during the president's State of the Union address, there are these special guests in the audience, avatars, for what politicians want to get done. Tonight, President Biden is said to have invited the family of Tyree Nichols, who was killed at the hands of the Memphis police. A former Afghan ambassador is going to be in the audience, too. Each congressperson, they've got their own guest lists. That's how Brett Cross will be there. In truth, Brett wishes he could be anywhere else. An invitation was extended to him because of the public tragedy he's living through. Back in May, his 10-year-old son, Uzi, got killed at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. So you're going to Washington for the State of the Union. How do you want to use that time that you're there? It seems like... An enormous awful privilege.
1: I want to talk about my son and and enlighten people on him and the devastation that the inactions of other people have caused the families such as myself.
0: You could say that the guests in the audience tonight are political props, but Brett is trying to make himself more of a political stumbling block. Unavoidable. There to trip you up in case you're not paying attention. He knows what it means to be stonewalled by politicians. Right after Uzi got killed, Brett came to D.C. to advocate for an assault weapons ban. When he met with his local congressman, a Republican, it didn't go so great.
1: That was the first meeting that, the first thing we ever did in D.C., there was a bunch of our families there, and, um, Everybody was asking questions and talking, and he did his regular spill on everything. And so I asked him, I'm like, are you in support of this? And he wouldn't answer, and he wouldn't answer.
0: Of an assault weapons ban?
1: Yes, ma'am. And he wouldn't answer, and he wouldn't answer. And I said, no, sir, I, I asked you a question, and I need a yes or a no. And then finally he said, no, I believe in our Second Amendment. And, you know, the same BS that everybody spills because, you know, it's so black and white. Um, That was sarcasm. <laughs> but then I asked him, I said, would you feel the same had your children been in that class? And then he, you know, did the whole, look at his wristwatch and, oh, well, we, we've got to go.
0: Even after all this, Brett keeps coming back to Washington. It's almost like he can't help it. He's done other, more personal things to remember Uzi, too. Like he got tattoos, one of Spider-Man, Uzi's favorite superhero. But the other is an upside-down flag. On the white stripes, he inscribed a quote, the sounds of children screaming have been removed. That was the warning that got put at the top of the video showing the way police officers waited in Rob Elementary's hallways while kids were dying.
1: And that always stuck with me. It always stuck with me because it wasn't, the sounds of their screaming wasn't just removed from that video. It It was removed from life. You know, they're, they're screaming and yelling at, at PE and playing and laughing and and their their voices, everything, has, it's been removed now. You know, all we have are videos and, and recordings and everything.
0: You've described it as feeling empty.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a, a, a void there that hurts. It, it literally aches. And so yeah with with that tattoo i just i was like i'm going to put those two things together because the nation is in distress because these children's voices keep getting removed and we're not doing anything about it it it's just an everyday thing now
0: yeah i was thinking about that tattoo because I feel like after losing a loved one the way you did, some people might get a tattoo of the kid's face, like something sweet to remember them by. And you did that too. But this tattoo seemed like the opposite of that. Like it seemed like you wanted to stay angry almost.
1: Yeah, almost, yeah. Um, It's almost a remembrance to, to keep fighting, even when I'm down, because... You know there are there are days there are days that you can't get out of bed. But at the same time, I feel like I'm doing an injustice to Uzi and other children if I'm not fighting.
0: Today on the show, a conversation between me and Brett about what it's like to be forced to the center of the fight for gun safety in this country. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. May 24th, 2022 is the day Brett Cross's life changed in ways he's still trying to understand. That's when an 18-year-old gunman walked into Robb Elementary School and killed his 10-year-old son, Uzziah, along with 18 other fourth graders. Two teachers got killed, too. The trauma of that day, it continues to ripple outward now. Losing a kid in a mass shooting means you suddenly have to make all kinds of decisions. Like, do you go back to work? Before Uzi died, Brett worked as a wind turbine technician. He took time off to grieve. And then he started wondering if he could ever go back at all.
1: I recently got let go, um, so I did. I so my boss was absolutely amazing, um, and he tried and tried to help me as much as he could and everything. But you know, corporate and everything, I took off FMLA and everything because that is a very uh, dangerous job. You're working around thirty five thousand volts of electricity, you know. Um, so and three hundred feet in the air. I mean, it's a very hazardous job, and I wasn't able to. Uh, get back to that, and they sent me a letter saying, oh, "Well, you know, you uh, if you don't show up January second, then you're fired." And I showed up, and I was able to do it for about a week. Um, my boss helped me, kept me in the office, and everything. But the office is where I got the phone call that day
0: that, that there was a shooting at the school.
1: Yes, ma'am. And then you know, I'm I'm opening my work phone for the first time in seven months, eight months, and. um First thing that pops up was the messages to my wife um, when we're trying to find Uzi.
0: Messages from her saying, where are you?
1: No, uh, of us trying to find Uzi, you know, messaging back and forth because we were informed that that kids ran to the funeral home, they ran to the the neighborhood and the hospital. So we're texting back and forth, have you found him? Is he at the hospital? Is he at, you know, his friend's house? You know, all of those messages. And it just man, that'll, that'll make you spiral hard because it takes you right back to that day.
0: I read that you built a memorial at home with some of Uzi's favorite things, like the water bottle that the school gave you back with his name on it. Yes, ma'am. Do you still have it? Yes, ma'am. Do you still add to it?
1: Um So that is pretty much just the stuff of his. Um, That's pretty much done. Um, I have, we, we, there's a case where his urn is in um, that we add when certain things come in um, or we see something that reminds us. And we have a little memorial out in the front as well with a bench. And we've gotten tons of paintings and, and, Prayer rocks and tear bottles and Bibles and quilts and stuffed animals and and everything like that.
0: I hadn't thought about that, how the stuff might keep coming. And I know it's all well-intentioned, but it also, I don't know if it feels heavy when you get it.
1: it. Kind of. I mean, it was especially rough in the beginning but we we still get stuff occasionally and um i mean it got so we got so overwhelmed with um stuffed animals and everything <laughs> like i'm talking about 40 50 60 stuffed animals um <laughs> that people just kept sending and everything that um it got to the point where we couldn't have them like it was filling up the house so we um donated them actually to a woman and children's shelter.
0: Was there a moment after the shooting where you felt like you had to decide who you were going to be? Maybe it's a choice you're constantly making. Like how, how am I going to, how will this change me? Or maybe it's not changing you at all. And like, this is just who you are.
1: So I I don't really feel like there was a change. Um, I I can tell you the exact day I uh, decided I wanted to fight, um, Uzai's, um funeral wasn't until June 13th, and the day after his funeral, I was just like, I'm going to fight. And then that's when they were doing that House committee. I showed up every day to those House committees. They wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't, but I I was, I I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to start fighting, but I knew that I, I had to. So I just started showing up.
0: Explain about the House committees. This is, this is in the Texas State Legislature?
1: Yes, ma'am. Yeah, they did an investigation into it, and they did a, I think it was a 77-page booklet about what they found, but then they started coming down here to interview officers and teachers and and everything like that, but I was there every day um, just to even hear anything, and then I started that same weekend um, protesting.
0: There was a lot for Brett Cross to protest over. A state investigation found that while nearly 400 officers responded to the shooting, it was unclear who was in charge of them all. There were school safety officers, border patrol agents, city police, sheriffs, deputies. There were nearly 100 officers there from Texas's Department of Public Safety, or DPS. And yet, the shooter was able to tuck himself inside fourth-grade classrooms and murder people, one by one
1: what I realized early on was that everybody was passing the buck. Like nobody wanted to take responsibility for their part. The school blamed it on the cops, the city blamed it on the school and DPS. And, you know, everybody's pointing fingers when, you know, there was failures on every front from the, from the school to the officers that responded to our state laws, to our federal laws. I mean, it was a, catastrophic failure all over and i just realized that nobody is going to take accountability um and the only time that the school made changes was after you know we did this 10 day sit out
0: yeah yeah can we talk about that this was Absolutely. in september into october and you decided to camp out in front of the school administrative <laughs> building and you've all day basically to just, so they couldn't avoid you so that when people came in, you were there saying, No, no, no. What I want is for you to place the safety officers who were on duty when my child was killed. I want you to place them on leave until you figure out like what this independent reporting says about their role.
1: Exactly. And and it wasn't a crazy ask. It's something that should have been done. It's what other places do. If an officer is involved in something, you put them on leave until the investigation is complete these officers were out on the streets and at our schools the next i mean like within a week but um when the school thing happened um the sit out happened it's uh, started because of an offhand comment that i made because we were just there to protest and i had gotten so irritated and excuse my language but i was i was pissed off that i was like you know what I'm not leaving here until you suspend these officers.
0: So you were in like a private meeting, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna." I'm.
1: Oh no! This was outside. This was outside. outside. No, I, I, we blocked them from getting in this into the administration building. But they had. So it was made like a, light- a
0: split second decision.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, you lived they- just
0: a couple blocks away, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. And huh. so with with that, um, they'd already made a liar out of me. I, I told my kids that I would always be there to protect them, that nothing bad would happen to them. And that school made a liar out of me. Um, so I wasn't going to let them do it again. So, yeah, for the next 10 days, I didn't go home. I stayed out there the whole full 10 days camped out.
0: And you blocked some people from getting in, too, right?
1: I blocked everybody <laughs> from getting in um, to the point where uh, DPS was about to tow my car. But they were doing everything the first day. If they spent three hours working on a way to get inside instead of figuring out solutions to the real problems, that's what they spent their time doing was the how to get in. Because what, you know, we figured you're not doing your jobs anyway. So why are you even acting upset that you can't get in here? You know, you're not doing our job, you're not protecting our children. And we got some breaking news out of Texas. The Uvalde School District has suspended its entire full police force in the face of fierce criticism over that department's failings, both during the massacre at Robb Elementary and since. Families of some of the victims pushed for more accountability. They staked outside Uvalde School District offices for a week and a half. They wanted all of the school police officers who were at Robb Elementary the day of the shooting to be suspended until an independent investigation was completed. On Friday, they got their wish.
0: And they didn't really say that it was because of you and your protest. They said it was because of recent developments. Did it feel like a win to you?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I I wouldn't say that it was all because of me and and the the, the sit-out either. Um, Simone from CNN um, has been one of the uh, investigative reporters that has, I mean, really dug his feet in and not let this go, you know. And he had found that they had just hired a DPS officer who was there at Rob that day that was caught on camera saying, If it would have been my children in there, I'd be in there. Hmm. So I think think it's a mixture of both. I think it was the, you know, the heat from both sides.
0: Yeah. Would you have even considered yourself political before this year?
1: No, absolutely not. And I I, honestly, I still don't consider myself political. Um, Unfortunately, it's the politicians that have made these political issues. They shouldn't be issues. It is not right. For children to not be able to go to school and come back home that's that that shouldn't be political that is, that is basic humanity it, it's it, it shouldn't be political but it's the politicians that make it political it's it's the NRA that makes it political it's it's the money funneling into these people's pockets that make it political
0: yeah I wonder if you've had that conversation with people who disagree with you on this issue.
1: I, I do try. Yeah. I try. Because um, you are in I,
0: Texas. I,
1: yeah. Well, and I, I get a lot. And and they're like, you know, don't don't tell me what to do with my gun. You don't know about I'm a gun owner. I have a gun. Um, I have it for my protection at my house. But what I also know is that my 357 pistol does the job. I don't need an assault rifle to do that. So I I get that that a lot like you you know you don't you don't know I I, I do know and that's why I'm telling you you know that this is an issue that I understand guns for hunting I know people hunt and everything but what I have a problem with is the the rhetoric that oh well it's it's because they're fun yeah that shooter thought it was fun too
0: After the break, how fighting for gun safety in Washington, D.C. looks different than it does in Texas. Brett Cross says, in some ways, showing up in Washington, the way he'll do tonight, it's easier than the work he's doing back home in Texas. That's because guns have become non-negotiable politically in his home state. But that hasn't stopped him or other Uvalde parents from pressing their case anyway. Recently, a number of them teamed up with Texas State Senator Roland Gutierrez. They've vowed to show up at the state legislature every week, bringing more bills with them each time. They know an assault weapons ban won't fly in Austin, so they're trying other things instead.
1: We're going to just stay at them. I mean, there's several... um, laws that that um, Roland Gutierrez is is adopting and and trying to push through um that will help you know by raising the age to um 20, 21 to buy an assault rifle and then we're you know we're trying to you know I want um, qualified immunity, to be thrown out because these people sat outside, 376 officers sat outside for 77 minutes and did nothing.
0: And they can't be sued because it was in the course of doing their jobs.
1: Exactly. Well, and, or even get in trouble that, like they literally set by, but if a doctor or a nurse comes up on a crash, they are bound to help, you know, there are standards held by other entities. Why isn't it held by these cops?
0: Senator Gutierrez has twenty bills he plans to unveil. It's a lot of bills.
1: Yes, ma'am. He's been one of our 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 biggest advocates to help us. Um, and you know, it's 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 needed, and and it's it's appreciated so much because we <laughs> we're small town people, you know. <laughs> We didn't know politics or how to change laws or, or to introduce laws or anything like that. So he he's been a a huge help.
0: There's been some reporting in the past few weeks that you know after the shooting, parents in Uvalde disagreed about how to press for change in the community, and I know that you have a nonprofit and there there are many others too in Uvalde. Do all these organizations agree on on what they want or is it more, and I imagine this is kind of natural after there's an event like this, everyone's kind of on their own journey. Like I'm just, I'm kind of curious where things are at with the families.
1: So with the families, we've pretty much all agree. Um, the victims families, we all work together um, and we've all agreed. Um, the only issues that we had was With the community itself, because a lot of people just wanted to sweep it under the rug, like, oh, it happened, but let's move on. You're only ruining our community by fighting. Um, We had more people show up for the superintendent retiring after the sit out. We had more people show up than they ever did when we were asking for change and um, fighting. And they showed up because... A quote unquote good man retired. They were more worried about that than their children surviving school.
0: Wow. So community members who obviously know what happened feel like somehow the school or the school system have been attacked?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we we get it with the with the police too, like oh, you just want to run off all police or you're anti-police. I'm not anti-police. My my stepfather is a chief of police, retired. He was a chief of police, not anti-cop. But I'm anti-cops not doing their damn job, you know, Um, sitting around for 77 minutes while children were bleeding out and screaming and crying and begging to be saved.
0: Yeah, your protest in front of the school administrative building in Uvalde, it reminded me of another school shooting dad who's gotten a lot of attention, this this guy named Manuel Oliver. Manuel? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know Manny, yeah.
0: His son was killed in Parkland, Florida. L- My listeners might remember him because he's the guy who stood up when President Biden announced new gun legislation and basically told him it wasn't enough.
1: Yep, yep.
0: When you talk to Manny about the path forward now, like what is what does he tell you?
1: Um, you know, what we talk about mostly is just, you know, the, the, the grief, you know, um, he, he told me early on, he said, you know, you're, you're in it, you're like me. And I know that you're going to give them hell and give them, give it your all. And you just, you got to do that, but you also have to take care of yourself. You can't fight if you're not well enough to fight. So, I mean, I'm grateful to have met him, I am grateful for his experience, but I also hate it that he is in the position to have to give me that that knowledge. You know, because that means that somebody else's kid was murdered.
0: Now that you're you have a few months distance from the shooting, I wonder a little bit what this January was like this start of 2023, where there were so many shootings. Like, did you become the person who was reaching out to other people? Are you not there yet?
1: No, I, I've been trying. Um, how, how do you find a random person, you know, four states over? Like, I, I've been trying, and I've, I've made it known that if anybody knows anybody that was affected, that they can come and talk to me just how I um, had Manuel and Fred Gutenberg, um, who lost his daughter in Parkland as well. Um, so I want to be that that person as well. Um, and it just it, it brings you back. You you wake up and there's another shooting, and it's like I know what these people are going through.
0: When you think about trying to convince people, people who may be way on the other side of this issue from you, mm-hmm. what do you think about saying?
1: So I wear a shirt um, with Uzi's face on it almost daily. Um, Imagine your child's face on a T-shirt. If you can't bear that, if you can't live with that, if that is something that is terrible for you, then stand up and help us fight for change. Because it's not a matter of if it'll happen to you. It's a matter of when nowadays because I, I am full of regret for not ever standing up and fighting after any of these other school shootings. I've called parents of victims. I've called survivors and I have apologized to them. I'm I'm sorry that when your shooting happened that I was like, man, that, that sucks, but I got to get back to work. And I, I didn't fight, but what, you know, which side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on, do you want to say that you have done everything that you can in case your child is murdered or do you want to be full of regret like I am thinking I didn't do anything to help change that before it happened because I was one of the ones that thought it couldn't happen to me
0: Brett Cross I'm I'm really grateful for your time thank you Brett Cross is the father of Uzziah Garcia, who was killed at Robb Elementary School in May 2022. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Dalshad, and Madeline Ducharme. We are getting a ton of support right now from Anna Phillips, Jared Downing, and Laura Spencer. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little assist from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Go say hello on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.